Hello and welcome to the BJJ Camps podcast. Just a little quick introduction before we head over to the interview with the Raspberry Ape, Dan Strauss. His uh, guillotine camp was fantastic and anyone that came will uh, happily agree with me on that. It was really very, very detailed and and a lot of fun to have him up. Uh, So we'll definitely look to uh, sort something out with him again. Just so that I can let you know what we've got coming up. We've got... Uh, a camp with Owen Livesey. Uh, the provisional date is the 3rd and 4th of December. I'm just securing that with him now. Um, and then I will get it onto the website and ready to book. And we have in February, the 11th and 12th, is our first women's only camp. The instructors for it are Chelsea Lear and... Vanessa English. So if you'd like to book that, it's very easy to do. Go straight to www.latedistrictbjjcamps.com and you can book from there. The interest we've had so far has been fantastic. So I'll leave you with that. Um, here is the interview with Dan. Hello, Mr. Strauss. Hello, mate. How you doing? I'm not too bad. I've, uh, so how long How long is it since we did our weekend? Is it literally it's about 10 days now, isn't it? Yeah, it's about that, yeah. How long did it take you to recover? Uh, to be honest, I um, I was pretty banged up going into the camp. Oh, yeah. Um, so I was pretty banged out coming out of the camp. More, Probably more from the driving than it was the actual camping, although there was a lot of hard training. Uh, but I went away two days later. Oh, so, so you, where, uh, where did you go? I went to Athens. Athens, that was it. So um, I, you know, baptised myself in the Aegean Sea and uh, the gods took all of my aches and pains away from me. So I came back feeling very refreshed. <laughs> so what did you think of Athens? I loved it, Matt. I've wanted to go there for so long. I'm such a, I'm so into... Greek mythology and Greek history and you know it's it, there's nowhere better I mean for history architecture and history and mythology sort of in the world there's nowhere better for it so yeah I loved it no to be fair I, I, I sort of I wouldn't say I've, I've studied Greek mythology at all but I, I dabble in it every now and again and I, I like a lot of the stories and Stephen Fry did a couple of books on yeah Greek mythology so I've read them I, so I really enjoyed them actually they were quite good um but yeah, I sort of dip in and out of it. I, I prefer that to Christianity, to be honest with you. It's much more fun. 100%, mate. Way more fun. I mean, when you don't have... Uh, if you have... It's it's sort of like... It's sort of like in the same way that Superman can be a bit boring, where if you have a single monotheistic god yeah. that's in charge of everything, there's not, there's not the drama that you get from the highly flawed pantheon of... Uh, polytheistic gods that you have in greek or roman or, yeah. or or norse or you know um any other polytheistic religion really oh it's a bit, i've i've got my own little film idea that's all based around not heavily into greek mythology but i've got like this little film idea that i keep playing with i'm going i really need to speak to somebody about this because it could be brilliant but mm. you know who's got the time mm. who's got the time absolutely and, and literally it is just an idea but I think it'll make a good TV series. Hey, hopefully, hopefully it happens one day. So we did all your guillotine stuff on through the weekend. So there's four seminars, 
and then a shed load of sparring. I think, yeah, I think it was. I think it was eight hours of teaching and then two hours of rolling. Ten hours altogether. Yeah, that sounds about right. That's, yeah, that sounds about right from what I felt like afterwards. I had uh, <laughs> go, going into it, I had horrendous vertigo for like three, four days, and then whilst you yeah, were there, so. I was like, yeah, just awful. And the only time it wasn't bothering me was when I was rolling. So I literally, I just wanted to carry on rolling all the time because I felt normal. (laughs) (laughs) That's so interesting. But it was good. Everyone, well, you've taught that seminar on your guillotines, how many, 100 and something times? Yeah, I think I'm on like 119 or 20. Do you count the weekend as four or one? I count the weekend as one. Yeah, that's it. That's the way I do it. Yeah, I count that as one. But, you know, basically the day one was my seminar. Yeah. And then day two was me being able to do the second part of it, basically, the expansion on it. Um, So, yeah, I've wanted to do that for so long and I've never taught that stuff, uh, you you know, over that amount of time before. Because even when I've gone away and I've done camps, it's it's still not uh well one they're not intensive so if i go away let's say you know i did a a week camp or five day camp with ben just before covid and in 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 ten in uh in tenerife yeah and i taught the guillotine stuff but then i think i did some side control stuff and some butterfly stuff as well but you know being able to do eight hours straight on the guillotine and i probably could have done another eight to be honest with you but doing eight hours on the guillotine just allowed me to go uh way deeper on it than it basically, like I said on the weekend, it's the stuff I'd love to teach to all my guillotine seminars, but it's impossible for me to do that second day without people having done the first day already. And then people go, oh, well, come back and do a second, you know, they, they say come back and do a second version. You know, do, 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 the, do the second seminar, the follow-up, the advanced one. I go, it doesn't work because I need to guarantee that every single person who is doing that second seminar was at the first one. And it couldn't be a year later mm. because people would have, it wouldn't be fresh. It would have to be two weeks later, yeah. you know? And, and it's just the, these number of, 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 of things that you'd have to make sure it is, it is uh, set before you even start doing something like that. Think about doing something like that. It's impossible. So the only way to do it really was something as brutally intense as we did last weekend. Yeah, I think yeah, your only other option is send everybody homework beforehand. I'm coming to teach you a seminar. Here's all the homework that you need to have done. You know, yeah, recap I mean, may, everything may, we've done previously. But yeah, exactly. Like maybe you know, I, I I'm gonna. I've been planning to do it for years, and next year I'm really hoping to. Or next year I will be doing it. But you know, making the instructional. There's essentially that first seminar and maybe mm. the second one, which is you got to watch the first one before you do the second one. But then half the bit, you know, I don't know about you when you were at school, but when I was at school. There's a difference between doing, you know, being told to do homework and actually doing it. So, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the only scenario that I can do that, what I did at that camp, is in a camp situation. Yeah, but it it, uh, it worked really well. So I I didn't do a lot of the drilling. Um, mm. Mainly, you know, I'll sit, I'll take some videos, and to, like I said, I, I had the vertigo this time, so I did even less than I normally would. But I'm very much a visual learner, so I managed to watch it all and since then i've been playing with a lot of it and actually the the guillotine stood up with your using your 
calf raise. That was mm. that's that's working lovely. Well, lovely, oh, yeah? lovely for me. <laughs> Not lovely for everyone else. I, I, I may have lost a couple of friends, but uh... <laughs> hey, look! If you haven't lost some friends, then are you really doing uh, mm. some good jujitsu? Yeah, so that was uh, it. Was it's been quite oh, nice awesome. to play with actually. So, uh, but we've got we've actually tomorrow from when we're recording this, we've got the charity seminar. By the time I've put this out, yes, mate, we'll have done. So we're both essentially going from doing. The past few things I've done have, have been like uh, camps at mine where I've sort of yeah. filled in and things like that. So we've gone from spreading something out to going, right, now we've got 10 minutes to be able to teach you something. Let's see what we yeah. can do. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that's going to be interesting. I, um, Yeah, it's, it's a crazy idea what we're going to be doing tomorrow. And I have no idea how it's going to work or if it's going to work well. I have faith in it that it will um but who knows man i mean two and a half hours two and a half hours if i was doing a seminar would be the absolute minimum that i could do a guillotine seminar it yeah. would be two and a half hours with 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 130 or 150 maybe 200 people there like we're gonna have tomorrow uh i it, it would it would definitely be three hours and that would be to teach one guillotine mm. <laughs> just one single basic guillotine would take me three hours so we have two and a half hours tomorrow 150 plus people and 20 something instructors so it's going to be it's going to be interesting chaos. it's going to be chaos hopefully in the uh best way possible so what's your have you got a plan going in no i don't have a plan at the moment i'm not sure exactly what i'll be able to teach I, it definitely won't be the guillotine um i might to be honest with you i might just teach something like the uh the the that 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 sit up guillotine with the leg i yeah. might just teach that um but then i might teach something completely different it, it's going to be dependent on how much time we get so i'll talk to chris when we get there and kind of see how everything's going uh last time so i did that seminar um when it originally happened in 2019 mm. and um i taught my you know some something very small one simple thing or two simple things that can make a big impact on the game so maybe some details on the triangle i did last time maybe some details on the rear naked choke or something like that yeah so chris uh chris came up to mine in 2018 we did a, a basically a, a similar thing but on a smaller scale so we had 10 instructors uh but mm. i think i think we were there for like three hours um yeah and you you were in a group of five or six and you went from one instructor to the other every 15 minutes um and again another charity thing but the feedback on that was really good um it, funnily enough on that when i did that i completely lost my voice like nobody could hear me i was literally mm. whispering to a room of like 60 70 people to try and speak to them it was pathetic <laughs> um but going into this i think um it's got to be something literally like one thing one thing yeah. that's going to make a difference so i've got i've got a couple of things planned um you do i think we were actually saying on the weekend you do the shoulder crunch grip yeah 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 very similar so you do it and then you go for your sweep off it yeah um i don't know what the sweep's called that I think Ben calls it a gringo sweep. Yeah, um, I don't know. I do it, and I drop the other way onto the arm crush. So I might do that. But then I've got a couple of other really horrendous things from Mount that there's, mm. there's a lot that that's 
There's a lot of detail in there, but you can probably start to understand it within 10 minutes. Mm. But it's nothing, you know, it, it's not like a Delaheva bearing ball or sweep where I've got to change my grip, swap, move. I, I think that's too much. Yeah, it's too much. The, the, you know, you also have to bear in mind that, you know, obviously it's not going to be, not everyone's going to learn from 20 instructors. I They're going to be splitting them into, you know, most of the instructors are going to be split into groups uh so but you know realistically these people at the seminar are still going to be taught probably i don't know 10 maybe maybe 10 to 15 techniques and it's like fuck that's a lot to learn in a day when usually when i do a seminar i'm teaching between one and maybe four maximum techniques yeah. uh so so 10 15 techniques in, in two and a half hours is is, is really a lot you got to keep it super simple so you know what what i might do is or what I'll also be looking at is what other people are teaching because if you're teaching um let's say you 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 teach a shoulder crush into an arm bar I might go fuck it I'll teach the shoulder crush into the sweep yeah, or exactly. if you teach something from mount I might teach something from mount so so you know and and what other people do so I'll, I'll probably try if nobody's touched the guillotine or you know I, pr- I probably won't teach it because I'd rather have them have something that's connected to something they've already done than then just put a whole nother planet uh, in their solar system. So, um, yeah, I'll try and probably jump on something else and, and, and give kind of try and adapt or not adapt, but try to add my modular extra onto whatever other people have done. I think that that's it, isn't it? We can't in the time teach a full technique, but if we link it together and, and make it work you can just add a little bit of detail onto yeah i mean i mean you can imagine like what would be actually really interesting i think 20 people is probably too much but imagine if they went and 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 it's kind of too absolute for such a big event like this but let's say you do a charity seminar with 10 uh instructors and you go we're just going to look at mount and then every instructor shows their favorite thing from mount. Mm. Now that becomes interesting because you might start to see variations on similar things. You might be able to see, uh, you know, things linked together and connected in some way. So um, that that would be. I mean, I I think you can't really do it with a seminar quite of this magnitude because I I think people don't really just want to learn one position and let's say someone doesn't like the mount and then you yeah. go, we're going to do mount for two and a half hours and 20 instructors are going to teach you mount. You go, Jesus Christ, I don't want to do this. Uh, but, but, but it would be interesting. Um, yeah. Kind of having a almost round table on techniques. Yeah. Maybe that's something that I'll think about in the future. I think that would be a, a brilliant thing to do just from a training perspective as instructors. Yeah, it would be. Yeah. Um, I've, yeah. I've sort of spoken to a few people locally to me and i've just said uh once a month i'm just going to invite you know basically invite brown and black belts brown and black belts only training session um and we can come up we can roll we can train we can use it as competition training Mm. or we can use it as almost instructor training and swap ideas yeah um i'm yet to start it to be honest because it's been since I've mentioned it to a few people, we've had summer holidays and well, my kids have been off running around all over the spot. So yeah, it's not something I've done, but hopefully now I've got a bit of normality back. I'll start to try and do that. Cause I, I love learning the same thing off different people. Mm. I really do. I, I, um, 
recently, so I've looked, we've I've trained with Ben and Steve, uh, Ben Poppleton, Steve Gorthop for many times, and over yeah. nearly ten years. Um, and with them both, I've done the arm lock up into Eckersley's hold, and then progressed through that position. And but I've learned it from them. Yeah. Um, and we had um, the opportunity this weekend just gone to have Neil Eckersley teach his own hold. Wow. And I mean, depending on how you look at it, I could have gone well. I know that. I've been taught that mm. many, many times. I've taught it many times. I've managed to adapt it. I don't need to do it. Mm. I I went the opposite. I snapped his hand off to get him to come over and teach it. Mm. And I'm I honestly I'm really glad I did. He had a fair few different variations on what I already know. And you end up for your own style blending together a hybrid, I think. Yeah. Well, that definitely works better for me, but then could potentially work better for other people. And I assume with your guillotine, you've done the same. Yeah, I think it's it, it, it's a great point, which is people get into the... They have the misconception that you should learn from others what you're not good at. But actually, and of course you should, but not at the um, not at the loss of actually learning from others what you're good at. Because when you're good at something, you view, you, you know, when, when, when you've studied something, when something is intrinsically very familiar to you, you view the world through a lens of someone who sees it differently, you know. So, you know, connecting this back to our first couple of sentences of this conversation, me going to Athens or Greece I see the country in a very different way than a lot of people would see it because some people may see a temple, but I see 2,500 years of history or someone might see a mountain and I see the 20 myths that spring from this particular mountain or someone sees a cave and I see the entry to Tartarus, uh, you know, and, 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 and all of these different things. And it's the same with techniques, which is being someone who really is loves the guillotine and, 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 and kind of feel like I understand that I'm able to see other people do it, people who do it differently to me, people who are super high level, and I can see tiny differences and tiny details in what they do in a deeper level than someone who hasn't known it particularly well. So I think that there's a lot to be gained from keeping your mind open and seeing how other high level grapplers and to be honest, not even super high level, but people who have just spent, when you spend 10 years plus doing jujitsu, you develop your own style. Every single person who does jujitsu does it uniquely. Mm. It's impossible. It's impossible not to do it uniquely because everyone's body is very different. Everyone's mind is very different. Everyone's experiences are very different. And all of those things combine to make their own individual style. And you can learn from someone's style without having to replicate it. This is the other thing is there's more than one way to learn from someone. You can learn, you can understand the position in a greater depth uh, without 
using that information to adjust what you're already doing anyway. So I see someone put their shoulder in this position or their wrist in this position and I go, oh, that's interesting. That is because of this, this and this. I'm not going to do that. But now I understand why that's happening. I'll find my own way to solve that same problem. So, um, you know, there's a lot of fun to be had there. Uh, and the variation from seeing how different people do stuff. So an event like tomorrow where we have so many instructors share different techniques will be really interesting, both for the students, but probably even more for the instructors. I think as an instructor, you've automatically fallen into the role of being the chief problem solver at, mm. at whichever academy you're at. Um, and... Problem solving itself fascinates me because I, and you, I say you were probably the same um, as you started. You, there wasn't always a black belt there to ask all your questions to. Of course. Yeah. Um, and more obviously for me is I'm doing everything cack handed with one arm on the wrong side. Yeah. So it makes more sense for me to try and solve those problems than it does for me to ask somebody that's got two arms and does it on the other side. Yeah. So I think. But I, I genuinely think the biggest benefit I got from training jiu-jitsu is just learning to problem-solve everything. Yeah, that's what it is. That that's pro- Problem-solving is, yeah, you're right. It's You're in a unique position where you must uh, transpose every single technique into a way that you can do it because mm. it's not being taught for you, you know? it's being taught for someone with two symmetrical arms and with you having a difference on your right arm, you're having to make those adaptations. And that's why it's really interesting to watch how you train and and the way that you teach, because you've been able to, you've been able to get to such a high level um, with these unique solutions. And again, we can look at your solutions to these problems that you've had to come up with out of necessity, not necessarily copy them, but then gain the information from them anyway. Um, so yeah, problem solving is a massive part of jujitsu. It's what makes it fun and what makes it interesting. It's my favorite part of jujitsu, which is why I love people asking questions because we get to explore those um, avenues and problem solving together. Um, I love pro- solving problems in life as well. You know, mm. anything. If someone has something, you know, I remember there's one time. We had this little gap between the window at the gym and the wooden board that the mats were on. Someone had dropped their phone down there and you know, it was well and truly stuck. You could not, there was no way that you could get it. And I walked in there and they, everyone was excited to go down. Dan, we need to get this phone out. I'm like, awesome. I like skipped an hour of training and I was like making a net out of uh, coat hangers and broomsticks and eventually fished this thing out. And uh, I love that sort of shit. Really, I do. I love um, problem solving um, in any capacity because it's so mentally stimulating. You get reward at the end. So that's probably the best part. I mean, it's a huge part of jiu-jitsu, maybe the biggest part, mm. but it is straight the best part of jiu-jitsu regardless. Yeah, for me, it's, like you say, the, the problem solving under pressure and uh, and the escapism you get from that. Because if you're thinking about what you're going to have for tea or the washing you've got to fold when you get home or anything mm. like that, you're just going to get battered when you're sparring. You yeah, can't physically... Exactly. Well, I can't. Anyway, I don't have the mental capacity to think of those two things at once. You've no, got to it's, be... It's, it's true. Yeah, jiu is great at that. It forces you to be in the moment. And yeah. there is a lot of stuff uh, 
we're losing our connection to many things that do that for us and you know physical exertion and extreme mental exertion as well you know for me you know I play chess I play chess online if I'm stressed or if I'm you know overwhelmed with stuff mm. I just put out my phone and start playing chess because you can't think of anything else you, you've got to be in the minute and it's the same for jiu-jitsu it's the same for when you're actually in the gym mm. uh, when you're doing your set you know in between sets you there's plenty of time to be thinking about other shit but when you're under that weight or when you're doing your pull-up or you're doing your squat or you're doing your deadlift whatever um, if you're thinking about other stuff, you're gonna have a problem. And jiu-jitsu is a combination. It's that chess and squatting all together, um, where you don't have a single chance for the five, ten minutes that you're rolling. You better be in the moment, and it's a beautiful part of it. Mm. And then in your minute, you're recovering. You're trying not to die. It's <gasps> getting your yeah, breath no, back. No one's no one's thinking about their problems for that one minute. That <laughs> that's a wasted one minute. You you are just trying to switch off and relax for. A, Exactly, get your breath back. I'm I'm always questioning whether or not I can pull enough air in to will myself to get up to my feet to go and get water in the time <laughs> before somebody jumps on me. Exactly. As the next round starts. Carrying on with the problem solving, injury-wise, mm. you obviously tore your pec, it must be just shy of 12 months ago now, will it? It's just over 12 months ago. It's uh, 12 and a half, uh, yeah, a year and a couple of weeks. So tell me about your recovery coming back from that, because essentially you've gone from being strong and symmetrical both sides to having to build up one side to the other. Well, how did you do it? Um, look, fortunately or unfortunately, whichever way you want to look at it, in my first rodeo, I had shoulder surgery on my other shoulder six years ago, mm -hmm. six years or five and a half years prior. So I've been here before and, you know, injuries is something that you just get on with and and uh it, it it's just that you do what you can and, and and you train on the you know there's evidence to suggest that training your non-injured side will actually uh not build muscle on your injured side but it will um sort of hold off atrophy a little bit um on on, on the injured side so i was training legs and i was training my right arm the day I came out of hospital mm -hmm. and then as soon as I you know probably about three or four weeks in I started training I was started doing grip stuff on my bad arm um I, I listened to my doctors and yeah you know it it wasn't it wasn't dramatic it wasn't there was no there's no secrets you just got to be patient you got to understand you've got to accept and you got to look at the long term, you know, it's very easy to get frustrated in the moment with an injury, but you work around it and then you just, you know, and then you slowly recover. And it didn't really take long, to be honest with you, it, even though it felt in the time it, I, I, I'd been through it all before. So what happens is when you're injured like this is it feels like forever when you're in it. But six months later, it feels like it was a week mm. that you were injured for. And that's what it feels like a year later. I can, it barely feels like I was injured for more than maybe a month where of course I was off the mat for like four months, mm. maybe even longer. Um, so yeah, you know, you know, it's, it's a process, but you just go, look, fuck it. I got to do the process. This is part of the game. Um, and you just crack on. And was I a little bit weaker on one side for a while? Sure. But I just carried on training and now there's really no difference in strength side to side. I'd say that I lost any asymmetry, uh, you know, everything felt pretty good on both sides by six or seven months after the injury. 
and you know it was my left arm so it was already had some it was slightly weaker than my right arm on grip stuff for example and it still is it's exactly the same yeah. so um yeah yeah it's it's it, it's not dramatic it's just the process you crack on with it you, you you frame the you frame it mentally in the right way and after a, a little while not even that long you look back on it and it's like it didn't even happen yeah so when obviously I, i'm as unstable as they get when i'm lifting obviously it's holding with dumbbells and i essentially just strap a dumbbell to my mm. bad side um but i will never lift more on my left than i can on my right to try and mm. keep that symmetry going um and if i focus on anything because i said i've had shoulder surgery twice um so I, sort of, I did a lot of shoulder rehab as soon as anything starts going in my shoulders um i just go right back to the stability based exercises and mm. really focus on them um but you said so your left hand's obviously weaker than your right yeah will you then train your right to its limits or do you try and level things out no, I always keep everything equal. Uh, there are a few things that, that, that I'll train uh, to the limit on both sides, which is slightly different, but they're very, very rare. For the most part, I'll train everything symmetrically. Yeah, I'd say it's, it's, uh, I think it's, it's more essential to do so um, because the more unbalanced you get, the more stress it puts on your spine. I've got two bulging discs in my neck that are purely due to my imbalances. Mm. And that, and it, there's nothing I can do at this point other than try and keep myself as symmetrical as I can. Mm. Now it's it's not going to happen, mm. but I can do yeah. my best to lead towards it. So I, I do it more from an almost like an injury prevention point. I'll do everything symmetrically in hopes that it keeps my spine going for longer. Yeah, but it's true. You know, it's very it's 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 much harder for you to do that because you can't the difference in leverage length of your two arms mm. means that you're unable to actually accurately measure the load that is going through both of them um yeah. so it's it's definitely tough yeah it is but on the flip you've you've pretty much got to go on what it feels like yeah um and i imagine you you, you know what your body feels like pretty well I, yeah i just I get frustrated with it at times, um, but everybody does. Everybody that's lifting and trying to work out imbalances, you'll know yourself, your chest being off will have probably had some effect further down your body. It's Everything's mm. linked in one way or another, so your chest being off might have knocked your pelvis out of line or mm. something similar. So it's not like... You know, I'm alone in that battle, and that you know that's something I've got to come up. There's, there's plenty of information on how to work around it. Um, yeah. One of the things I do is I'll pick up dumbbells, and instead of doing a dumbbell press, I'll just do flies mm. because there is no press on my right hand side. Mm. So it's got to be a fly. So I've got to mimic it the same on the left. Make sure, like you say, the leverage is as, as close to symmetrical as mm. I can get it. But I don't like lifting weights anyway. It's yeah, it, you just haven't found a... It bores me. boring, mate. Yeah. And to be fair, I've done, the... I've done it for years. Um, and I do it enough so that, you know... But I've got... Yeah, it's not, it's not my thing. 
No, it's not for everyone, is it? No, 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 no. Yeah, I love it. That, again, there's part of me that wishes I did. That wishes oh, yeah, I sort of, of really, really was into it. Um, and I, I do go through phases of being more into it. Um, I, I love a squat. I wish I, I wish I loved doing cardio. Oh, yeah, no. It doesn't happen. No, not a chance. Um, <laughs> one thing I do enjoy doing is squatting. I, I really yeah. love the challenge of of squatting. Yeah. Proper, properly, I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't do box squats or anything unless I'm rehabbing a knee injury or something. Yeah. But yeah, so you know there is parts of it I enjoy. Um, mm. But yeah, not. Uh, it, it's not my go-to exercise. I just like rolling around on the floor in pajamas. Fair enough. But well, it's okay. So speaking of pajamas, weirdly, when was the last time you yeah. tra- when was the last time you trained in the gi? I mean, it depends what you mean by trained. Um, I the last time I rolled in a gi was probably two or three years ago. Uh, the last time I've put the last time I've trained in a gi twice within a month was probably. Um, when I got my before I got my black belt eight years ago. However, I'm competing in the gi next month. Are you actually? I'm competing in the gi for the first time since purple belt. So I I haven't actually decided whether I'm going to train in the gi prior <laughs> to competing. I might just go for it. Yeah, I'm doing the UK BJJ International Open uh, October twentieth, um, which will probably be my first at black belt and probably my last for. Uh, a while but yeah i'm putting the gear back on for one more run out for, for for the time being anyway um so i'll probably maybe in the next couple of weeks chuck the gear back on and see if i ha- hate it as much as i think i do so yeah see that's the thing i i i love trading in the gear because i'm at more of a disadvantage interesting i get it's much easier to outgrip me with the gear on where there's yeah. more to grab Makes sense. Is the long and short of it, but yeah, that for me, it, it makes it it makes it more interesting. Mm. Um, I, I always compete better nogi as a rule, but I prefer the gi. I like the I like the mm. problem solving of it, and that that's essentially what it comes down to to for me. Yeah. So yeah, would, I used to, but I don't. <laughs> I don't anymore. So when you did train more in the gi did you use were you just again strong fundamentals or were you playing lapel guard and tying um, people no, in I, for I, that? yeah one one of the reasons why i really kind of fell out of love with the gears when that stuff stuff started to become popular 50 mm. 50 lapel guard and like really using the gi in i mean for me personally kind of silly ways like yeah. wrapping a gear around your arm, leg, underneath, like it's pretty cool. I'm not knocking people who can do it. It's it's very impressive and innovative, but I just don't, it just looks a bit stupid to me. Um, and I didn't like it. So I was like, fuck this. Uh, but yeah, I'm in the master's division for the UKBGA, so I'm just hoping that nobody knows that shit. <laughs> so I definitely don't know how to defend it. Any of the, uh, yeah, well, to be fair, um, I can't stand any of that. Anything that's yeah. like worm guard or uh, I, I don't even know the names from. I'd I'd like to yeah come up you know be able to state the fancy 
stupid name for it, but I, I don't know it. But any, anything that's sort of leaning towards using the lapel outside of a strong collar grip and sleeve grip, it just goes out the window for me. I mean, I, I really like wrapping the lapel, you know, over the back or around the neck. And there's a few techniques. For things really like sort of bravo chokes and, and that sort yeah, of thing. Yeah, when, when, when you start wrapping it like three or four times, yeah. it starts to get kind of crazy. Yeah. Again, my personal issue with it is you're potentially passing one lapel from one hand to the other a couple of times. Mm. Well, that, that, that's out for me. That's, mm. that's no longer anything viable. But on the flip yeah. side, I don't, I don't think it's, a, I don't think it's the cleverest option because every time you pass from one hand to the other, there's potential that that grip's going to be broken, yeah, and that you're going to lose it. So I think if you come up against somebody that's better at grip fighting than you, you're automatically putting mm. yourself at a loss by trying to swap grips more often, giving them more chance to break your grips. Yeah, for sure. But no, it's. I agree with you on on that side of things. It's not my. I think it it's essentially it's got to look like chip shop jujitsu. If you wouldn't use it in a chip sure. shop, then it's probably not something that's going to be on my uh, standard teaching list. Got you. I don't know whether you'd use a chip shop jujitsu down south or whether whether you'd have another yeah, analogy. Yeah, it would be my go-to. It. it would be like. Uh... <laughs> Yeah, I'm not sure where it would be. Basically, no gear. <laughs> but um, yeah, you can't do it na- if you can't do it naked. I don't know. I think we we live in the UK. There's there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of collars that can st- can be don't grabbed. Get me started on this. This this fucking shit needs to die. I've been I'm on like uh I've I've debated with a lot of people that I respect a lot and I agree with on most things. But the whole uh, gi jiu-jitsu is better for. Um, it's better for the streets because everyone wears a t-shirt or a jacket like fuck they do. That's fucking bullshit. And like the, 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 the two kilos of cloth that we wear when we do jiu-jitsu has structural integrity that someone's fucking cheap ass shirt is never going to have. Uh, you're not going to be able to wrap someone's, uh, you know, wrap someone's jacket, denim jacket around their legs three times into a lapel guard. Um, so, and, yeah, my, my, again, that's not chip shop jujitsu. So <laughs> I know it's not chip shop jujitsu, but I, I just think, like, I don't think the the idea that 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 gi jujitsu is better for for self defense than no gi jujitsu is fucking madness. No, I, in fairness, I think the what's actually needed for self defense is somewhere between the two, because there's. I mean, but but I can you can guarantee that they like everyone who's wearing clothes is also not wearing clothes underneath. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So like everything that works, no gi works in the gi, but not everything that works in the gi works. No gi. Agreed. So it's got to be better. It's the basis. It's what everything starts with. And look, what's the first thing that most people do when they get into a street fight? They take their fucking shirt off. Cause they don't want it to be grabbed. It's like the first rule of fighting on the street is you take your goddamn shirt off. I got the opposite. I took my pants off just to weird people out. (laughs) Just drop drop trousers and walk towards them and see what happens. If you take take your pants off, then you're less likely to get in the fight in the first place. But a lot of people, they take their clothes off. Or, like, what genuinely, I mean, most people aren't getting into street fights unless you're going out and you're partying and you're wanting to get into street fights. Most people aren't getting into street fights. 
when are you most likely to have to restrain someone when they're on fucking drugs? And what do people on fucking drugs have a bad habit of doing? Taking their clothes off, <laughs> running around bare chest, right? I'm like, yeah. Am I wrong or am I wrong? No, you know? no, no. I'll uh, give you that one. You know, most people that you see actually having to restrain people, they're fucking whacked out on spice or crack or whatever the hip mad drug is that makes people act like zombies in whatever location of the world you're in. Is that not, uh, is, is the a, zombie one not MDMA? No, MDMA is, no, you don't, you'll never have to fight someone who's on MDMA, my friend. They will be chilling, they will hug you, but it will be out of love. No, 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 no. It will be, in the UK, it will be spice or... Spice, uh, or maybe it's spice then. Yeah. I just MD, I just MDMA. remember seeing a um, load of clips on the internet of just people walking around like zombies, just sort of getting in people's yeah, faces, spice, trying to bite them. Meth, meth in the, meth, crystal meth in the UK, crack cocaine. Uh, when I was in Athens, the taxi driver was telling us they've got this thing out there called Sissa, which is like meth mixed with battery acid. Um, and, it, and, and yeah, it's the, the poor people's drug because obviously they, they struggle with their economy out there. And uh, yeah, it, 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 it's causing some fucked up shit. And all those motherfuckers had their T-shirts off. So yeah, what I'm basically <laughs> saying is the people that are, you are most likely to have to be restrained by you in the street will not be wearing anything where you can grab the lapel sleeve or collar. That's <laughs> that is the bottom line. That's what we're going with. <laughs> All nogi. You, you, you feel yeah. quite strongly about that. I'd uh, I'd, I'd care to wager. <laughs> yeah, no, I do. You know what? Like, obviously, like it's half a joke because obviously oh, like, yeah, I'm yeah. always trying to wind up the gi purist with my nogi, uh, with my nogi love. Uh, but but I do feel strongly. I I think that the we've got to question what is being told and what we're being taught as it gets passed down through the generations it's our responsibility before we continue the cycle of passing misinformation on that we should test it and think about it for ourselves. and yeah. you know it's a really cliche cliche um uh kind of discussion point or you know it, it's something that people teach other people or tell other people that ghee is better they literally say ghee is better than no ghee for self-defense because everyone wears clothes. You go, not the crackheads that you're going to be having the fight. They're not wearing clothes. Or if it's in summer and, and they're not wearing clothes. Or if you're in a hot country and then, you know, and all of this stuff. Yeah. What did, like, what watch? I know it's different. It's in Brazil. But when jiu-jitsu was being forged on the streets of Brazil, they would fight on the beaches. It would be Valley Tudor shorts. That's where Valley Tudor shorts came from, or from swimming trunks. That's why I wear those as well. So, you know, and again, I'll, I'll go back to ancient Greece. Here's my little tidbit that I always love to drop, my little factoid. Uh, the word gym. Do you know where the word gym comes from, as in gymnasium? I've heard it before, but it's not. It comes from the Greek gymnos, which means naked, because all your training you would do in the gym in ancient Greece would be fully naked. I don't. I think you weren't even allowed to wear clothes when you were running, wrestling, doing gymnastics, all of this stuff, butt ass naked. I think it just about cut out. <laughs> it just about cut out at the point where you uh, you said you're not making the movement for it. <laughs> <laughs> so I reiterate. I'm not saying that we should do jiu-jitsu naked. I'm just saying that's why I like. I wear rash guard and I wear Valley Tudo shorts because 
the tight clothing, I think the tight clothing is important yeah. because it mimics being naked um, in the best way possible. That's more, that's still hygienic and has some dignity and modesty. Dignity and mo- modesty, not so much. <laughs> yeah, like more Di- modesty than being naked anyway. To be fair, the, the shorts keep getting shorter and shorter. <laughs> I, I'm not going to lie. I am not going to lie. I have full intention of going into a no-gi competition at some point in just speedos, just to see what happens. <laughs> well, um, there was a UFC fighter who did that. Um, was it Dennis Holman? There was a UFC fighter that went in with, like, it was bad. It was like what I would wear to the beach. Just speedos, and, just uh, budgie smugglers. They, yeah, just speed, yeah, literally. And they were like, even the commentators were like, I can't believe this has been allowed as soon as the fight finished. Uh, he was completely banned from ever fighting again. He's actually uh, banned from fighting? He was banned from the UFC after it. Dana said that he would never fight in the UFC again. Dana's a And I prude. think he gave the guy who beat him like a massive... I think the guy knocked him out or submitted him and, he, and Dana gave him a huge bonus for getting him out there as quickly as possible. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, he's just... There's a, a limit. There's, is, a, there's a fine line. No, no, no. The limit would be if I went in in the swimming trunks, I used to swim in... 15 years exactly. ago because th- th- yeah. I put them on the other day on my holiday and they were tight <laughs> there wouldn't be much room for any grappling going on let's put it that way you'd be falling yeah. out the sides and all sorts it was uh, I'd have to buy some new ones mm. but you know just just for entertainment pur- well my entertainment purposes mm. just to see how many people I can enrage oh yeah that's uh, easily done <laughs> It's not. It's not a. It's not a difficult thing to do. No. So you're going into the gi at the the UK BJJ. Yes. Where, is that the one? Is it the one in London? Yeah, it's in London. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, have you got a game plan in your head? No, absolutely not. It will be. Uh, yeah. I mean, I haven't competed in the gi since. I haven't competed in the gi for over ten years. Um, I haven't trained in the gi for eight years. I don't know whether I'm going to train in the gi prior. I'm just going to go out there and fucking wing it. I just, just, just standard cross collar chokes. That's what you. Should, that's literally all you should attack. Just standard cross collar chokes, and then a bit of worm. Well, guard. I think. Do you know what an interesting thing is? Is um, is that actually the grip strength? Like my grip strength is obviously way stronger than it was when I was last training the gi mm. but my actual gi grip strength is way worse because your actual your grip strength as an attribute and the crossover the conversion to actually in the gi it there, there, there's some disconnect there if you're not training in the gi you will not develop super strong gi grip training so i that's kind of why i need to and i might even start it sort of over today and tomorrow when I'm next in the gym is actually start grabbing onto geese a little bit yeah. because if your hands aren't used to that feeling, it doesn't matter how strong they are. You won't be able to, to, to get that strong grip. No, I absolutely agree with that. So, I, um, I gave up on any sort of sleeve grip, like spider guard, uh, leg lasso, anything like that for, for a long time. Um, mm. and then came back to, to teaching it for for six weeks and at the beginning of that six weeks my oh my hand was absolutely killing just Mm. from trying to maintain the sleeve grip by the end of it i was all right 
I could deal with yeah. it. Sort of six weeks worth of just leg lasso drilling, pretty much sort of four or five days a week, and then the sparring of it. My hands obviously adapted and got used to it. But well, I'm hoping I've I've got I've got one month. So if I start training today, maybe my fingers will be uh, will be nicely abused and conditioned by the time I actually compete. I tend to, uh, I tend to, gi or no gi, I think I tend to just prefer butterfly guard. That would, that would be. Oh, I, I prefer butterfly guard as well, but like, honestly, the few times that I have put the gear on over the last eight years when I haven't for months or years at a time, I just feel like it's cheating. It's so easy compared to no gi. Like you're used to getting so tight to someone and then you put the gear on and you're like, oh my God, you don't even have to be half this tight. Or you're trying to stop someone from moving and you're like, I can just grab onto their trousers. I can just grab onto their sleeves and I can mm. control them. Um, of course, when they start doing that to you, it, will, it kind of works the other way as well. Uh, but that's what I've experienced. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, there's a little part of me that's half excited to chuck the gear on in the next couple of weeks. After this conversation now. I'm thinking maybe I'll start training the gear for a month leading up to the tournament. I think we'll if nothing else, it's just another challenge, isn't it? Mm. It's just another challenge. Like I said, you've said that you find the gi a lot easier. I'm on the flip side. Like I find no gi a hell of a lot easier than gi. No, I, f- I find there's things about gi I find easier, at, but I, it's more painful to me. Yeah. Uh, like I feel the injury risk is higher um, and it's less comfortable and the movement's less fluid and it can be more annoying. Um, so, yeah. Now less excited about it after talking about the downside. <laughs> <laughs> and and you've not you've not actually meant well to be fair doing it. What we in now September temperature starting to drop. You're probably not going to put it on and get that sort of. You know when you, do you remember when you first put a gi on and absolutely sweated your ass off and you've just got this sauna Fucking around horrible, you. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Again, it's something that you get used to pretty quickly, but. Mm. You've not done that for a while, so that's going to be uh, mm. interesting again. Mm. I'm not good with the heat either. So yeah, Are you I'll not? Have to see. No, no, no. <laughs> well, uh, to be fair, I'm I'm quite intrigued by that. I'm uh, you, You're going to have to film it. You're going to have oh, to film course. it. Of course, yeah, yeah, if, yeah. If, if, I'll film it for sure. If nothing else, just to send to me, because I'm, I'm just intrigued to see how you'll end up oh, fighting. Oh, me too. Me too. Maybe it will go really well. Maybe it will go really badly. Fuck knows. I, th- I think the, big, the biggest difference between the two is it's easier to outgrip somebody in the gi if mm. they're not used to those grips mm. but again if you if you're used to dominantly gripping without the gi then it's not much difference we've got um mm. a, a very sort of high level judo guy that trains with us um he's still sort of international level competitions he's very good um, we were discussing the other morning how to transfer his gripping knowledge and his takedowns into Nogi. Um, and the, the long and short of it, f- from my perspective, was he just has to work out which way he wants to take them, whether mm. it's push, pull, or whatever. And instead of doing it all off one collar grip, he's he's got to be able to change his grip to do it. Mm. So you've, he's almost got to think a little bit further ahead. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. But again, I'm not even remotely close to being a stand-up expert. 
Yeah, tell me about it. <laughs> I'll do it. You know, I'll 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 fanny about on my feet yeah, and just see if I can trip somebody up on the odd occasion. But yeah, uh, as, yeah. The long and short of it is, is I'll do it for a little bit and then go. Nah, I'm not getting anywhere in pull guard. Yeah, 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 yeah. That, that tends to be my go-to. Yeah. I tell you what, I do want to ask you before you go. Mm. You've been to and taught many, many, many seminars. Mm-hmm. I, I think seminars have to be flashy in a way no. that... No, 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 hear me out. Let, <laughs> let, let me get there. Seminars have to be flashy in a way that brings people in. So I, I tend to look at them. Most seminars I've ever been to are attacking-based seminars. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah Guillotines... Yeah back attacks, arm locks, butterfly, everything that is attacking based. My seminars are on the flip side of that. So recently I've done the guard retention. Now I'm going into the start of my uh, get off my back tour. Yeah. Um, On the absolute flip side of that, simply because... People don't seem to teach these things at seminars. Uh, Yeah, I mean, yeah, you're right. I I don't agree that they need to be attacking-based. I like a lot of mine to be attacking-based. Yeah. uh, But that's just my personal preference. I don't think they have to. I think that actually stuff like escaping the back and guard retention and stuff like that, I actually think that they're popular seminars because it's shit that people actually stuck with mm. you know i think that one of the most popular seminars that you could probably do is how to escape side control because it's the biggest question that anyone has when it comes to jiu-jitsu is how you know so so i don't i don't think that it has to be i think it's just down to the individual and, and what they want to teach yeah i think p- popularity wise again based on me i've traveled around obviously and and spoke to a lot of people um mm. and the feedback i get is always i don't know why i've never I don't know why nobody's ever taught us this before. I don't know why we've never yeah. done a seminar on this before. Um, you know, and a lot of seminars that people have gone to as I've spoken to them are attacking based, which is why I've gone the polar yeah. opposite with it. I, I'm yeah. I, I'm never going to sit there and go, I can show you how to attack everything because let's face it, the majority of the time I spent training, I put myself in horrendous situations or I yeah. get put in bad situations and I want to learn how to escape them. Mm. Um, so I I came onto this. I thought I'd got my back attacks, uh, back escapes quite good. And then I fought Ben Robson again, um, mm. and he got on my back. And I sort of I was working my escapes, and I thought I'm getting all right at this. And then I and then he tapped me out from the back, mm. and I went, Nah, I, I, I'm ru- not not happy that I didn't. You know, I couldn't give two shits that I lost. What I wasn't happy with was the fact that my escape system didn't work well enough. Yeah. And then I say I obsessed over it since then. Um, and the most interesting thing is, like like I said, it's, it doesn't seem to be taught in a way that's that popularizes it. Nobody wants to drill these things. Yeah, maybe. And I think maybe I don't. You you got to just show them this is why it's important. Yeah, doesn't take long. No. <laughs> no. Start the seminar with 50, with twenty minutes of uh, back attack, um, King of the Hill, and they'll be gagging for it after not very long. So, on that point, so th- again, 
I've thought about it for a long time and I've worked it out, got my little system, my little notebook and and I've simplified it as much as I can. So I started teaching all, te- just teaching it in my gym and we did it for four weeks and at the end of the first session, we did 20 minutes King of the Hill. Mm. There was 25 people there all doing the same thing and I'm sat at the side because my hand had just been operated on so I was just watching and I'm essentially watching, counting how many submissions are caught in that 20 minutes. Mm. And there was 80. Wow. 80 submissions within 20 minutes. And it's it's to be expected because prior to going into the back escapes, mm. I wanted people to be efficiently attacking from the back. So I've shown a load of back attacks. Yeah. So it was exactly what, I, what was expected. Then for four weeks, I've shown them the escapes that I use. It's one escape and then a few movements leading into it. Mm. at the end of the four weeks exactly the same 20 minutes roughly 25 people king of the hill and there was less than four submissions wow so just in and and everybody knows the escapes because we've all been drilling it yeah um but yeah for it to get to that point after four weeks i went okay now i'm happy with that now i know that works i can i can teach it i can go yeah, take it as a awesome. as a seminar. But yeah, I, I I wondered if you'd seen a similar a similar pattern for, uh, for, for in se- terms of seminars being attacking based. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, mine very much are because it's more fun for me. Absolutely. But, but, <laughs> but then you you know you've got guys like Pritt Mickelson, uh, who is all based around defensive jujitsu, and he's very popular. Does a lot of seminars, so. Mm. Um, I think there's lots of people who are open to the idea and, you know, you could even say there's a bit of a, a gap in the market there for people who are teaching defense. Mm. Um, I guarantee you the demand is there because even if people don't realize it, because people get fucked up every day and they want to learn how to not get fucked up. Absolutely. I said that's, I think there's definitely a, if, if you want to call it a gap in the market, then it's, it's definitely there. Um, mm. I've never done a, a Prit Mickelson seminar, to be honest with you. Um, no, me neither. But, but if I look back at every seminar I've been to, for everything I can remember, um, they're all attacking based. Yeah. Which is they say what really kicked me into gear to go. Well, actually, I spend more time defending and focusing on that. Yeah, no, it's, so. it's a. Yeah, I think you're right. Definitely. Yeah. I j- again, that was just purely for my own entertainment. I uh, mm. for my own knowledge to see if you seen a similar pattern to me Mm. no no no. i think so but no anyway it's been a pleasure to talk to you we will uh, likewise mate as always we'll definitely schedule another camp as uh for for next year um and good luck in the gay cheers buddy i'll let you know i get on i'll catch (laughs) you tomorrow mate i've I've got to know i've got to know i'll see you later cheers dan take it easy buddy bye-bye